It's the Greek soccer show. I'm going to keep this one pretty close to the chat. I'm going to keep it tight. Keep it... Uh, let me fix the mic up over here. Keep it short. I'm going to keep it short for this for this week because I already missed a couple of days. I was late, as you saw. So we didn't get to do the European Nights uh, show that I wanted to do this week. I'll still touch on Champions League just on principle. But we didn't get to do it this week just because I was so busy, man, with stand-up and everything, which is not a bad problem to have. But sadly, I wasn't able to talk about soccer, and I enjoyed it very, very much. I don't know how many of you were watching the Champions League this week, but match day one was great for soccer fans. I mean, if you're fans of the favorite teams that coughed up their, uh, you know, their potential advantage, then you might not be as happy. But seeing Liverpool lose 2-0 in Napoli, that's huge. That exciting game with Juventus and Atletico de Madrid, 2-2. Come on, 2-0, turning it to 2 right before it ends. These are exciting times. Having Ronaldo point at the players and the fans in that uh, in Atletico and Madrid and make that uh, hand gesture that he says, you guys almost shat yourself because I almost scored at the 90th. You know, he's still talking trash even though he doesn't play for the rivals Real. That's, that's the fun stuff. That's why you watch... Soccer. That's why you watch these European games. And why else would you be watching this stuff, right? You want to see the the upsets. You want to see the um, potential newsworthy games. And you got a lot of those. You got. You honestly got a lot of newsworthy um, games. Chelsea losing to Valencia one nothing at home. They lost. That's a Champions League moment. Now I don't think PSG beating Real is really a, an upset because. PSG is way, way better now, especially that Ronaldo's not even on, on the Madrid team. But it did kind of it did kind of suck for them to just get smacked around match day one. You know, that's got to send shockwaves throughout that organization. Once that was done, though, once those games were done, we had the one Greek team in the representing, representing the country. And Tottenham came into Athens, went to Piraeus, and they took a 2-0 league and that lead, did I say lead or league? Who knows? But it was a 2-0 lead. I know that for sure. And it looked like Olympiaco was going to get embarrassed at home. It was bad. But then a glimmer. A glimmer of hope. Olympiaco fought back. 2-1. And then a penalty, which was ripped in by Valbuena, gave them the 2-2 tie. Exciting moments in parades. The fans, they went crazy, obviously. The announcers, even worse, even crazier. Those Greek announcers, they love supporting their teams, which is great to hear. It got us some much-needed points as a country in the coefficient rankings. It gave a lot of confidence to the red team from Piraeus. Confidence that they took into the weekend. Confidence that they took into the weekend, into their game against their eternal rivals, Panathinaikos. Olibiaco coming off a high, tying 2-2 against Tottenham. Playing well in Europe so far this season versus Panathinaikos, who is an organization in shambles, really. The organized supporters are fighting with management. They're breaking in. They're, they're causing all kinds of trouble. There's not enough money. There's laws in place. They can't bring in the big names that they would like to. It's just a bunch of young players out there. The coach has made some questionable decisions as of late, leading to some embarrassing, embarrassing results. But it's a derby. And when it's derby day, all that goes out the window. 
Nobody cares about your past games. Nobody cares about the team form. Nobody cares about the team feeling. You look at the past results, and you always want to avenge the losses. You could have won the last 10 straight derbies. doesn't matter. That 11th one, that could have been, that loss, that's what you want to avenge. And that's how they went into this. Both teams went into this wanting the victory. And you could tell because the Olympiaco coach, Martins, knew how important it was for the standings in Greece because it's so tight up on the top. And also, you know, just to add some fuel to that already existing crazy fire that's happening in Piraeus. Just the fans are loving their team so far this season. So he, he didn't let uh, a lot of players rest. Not that they wanted it. I mean, I'm sure those players wanted to play in a game of that magnitude for the fan base. So the rotation was was very small. Not a lot of changes. Ruben Semedo started, which was surprising, but it's what they needed. On the other side, Panayko had nothing to lose, but everything to win. They went all out. They played offensive. They actually played way better than Olbiaco. Olbiaco, not resting their players, proved to be their undoing. Despite taking that early one nothing lead, they ended up coughing up two penalties, one of which was saved. And the other, I mean, the second one that went in, I mean, that goalie saw. We, we should talk about that. That goalkeeper is very skilled because he even jumped at, to the right spot and just missed it. So he's a, he's a keeper in both senses of the word in this case. All that to say, though, what bothered me was that Panathinaiko and Olbiaco, you know, neither of which is my team. They're still fun rival matches to watch. You love watching that kind of stuff. You look at the past games with the flares and the excitement and the atmosphere. You didn't get that this year. With all the infighting, Panathinaiko being just beaten and on the floor. The turnout wasn't great, especially not for a Derby game. People didn't believe in the team. The team themselves, though, they clearly believed in each other because they fought hard for that tie. I mean, think about it. If the, the first penalty had went in, that could have been an upset. That could have been a 2-1 victory for them. But it's just already the Olympic Stadium in Athens is a terrible place to play soccer in. It's not fun unless it's full, full, full. And even at that, the distance created by the track around, eh, it's not good for derby games. And it's just seeing the Greek League in kind of, you know, this disarray. They're trying hard with the Super League 2, you know, the Football League as we call it, but the Super League 2 in this case, the second division is the Super League, and the Football League is now the third division. They're, they're trying, they're, they're rebranding, you know, uh, less teams in the top flight, purposely to make it more exciting, you know, less teams. You would assume they'd be closer together in terms of skill sets. We'll see. Anyway, all that to say, it was a fun game to watch. A lot of questionable stuff that happened too. I mean, just the, the amount of VAR calls refs are so crazy and they're so scared in Greece to make the wrong call that they end up making just absurd absurd calls. Uh, and they're trying their best. They're trying to follow the the rules, but it's just there's some stuff that goes unsaid that shouldn't. It's And some stuff that should go unsaid that doesn't go. It, it's just crazy. It's crazy. I saw him take back a yellow card, which was fun. Took He gave a player a yellow card and then said, oh, my bad, this yellow card doesn't count anymore. Very rare to see a referee do that. That shows you how excited he was. And in the other... Derby match. We had two. Two derby matches. One Sunday. Hours apart. In Thessaloniki, the Battle of Macedonia. It was Aris versus Pauk in the tuba. Pauk is at home. Four minutes in. He dare with a goal. one nothing Aris. He goes to corner flag. He celebrates by walking on all fours like a dog, lifting his hind leg and pissing on the Pauk corner flag. That's the kind of celebration I could get myself behind. All right? Let me tell you. That's what you do to a rival. But minutes later, Pauk ties it 1-1. One, one. 
It's crazy. This game we already knew was going to be exciting. And it did not disappoint. Late in the game, two red cards. Each team is down a man. Aris takes the lead. It's 2-1. Injury time, they let a goal slip. And it is 2-2, and that's the way it ended. The battle of the Saloniki ended all square, 2-2, just like the one in Athens did, right? Very exciting stuff. Now, there was a lot more drama behind the scenes in, uh, in the Saloniki, I'll tell you that much, because of, obviously, Pauk, Pauk the owner of Pauk's son, uh, George Savidis, who's a, a well-known piece of garbage. Uh, was causing more and more trouble. This guy is going to do so much damage to his team in the next coming years than people realize. This guy's going to be the undoing of that team. Uh, so, yeah, he was talking a lot of trash, which is fine. Uh, and then there was pictures that came out because the Addis organization was asking questions about why were you trying to intimidate us? And he says, that never happened. I stayed away from you guys. Uh, we never had anything to do with you guys. You guys were free in the stadium. And then pictures came out that there was like 15, 20 guys, uh, his friends, you know, bouncers, gangsters, that type of stuff, all all behind the bench of Addis, just standing up, staring at them, talking to them. Uh, stuff that you would normally not see in any other stadium in Europe. That, 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 that stuff's not going to slide anywhere else. People would leave the pitch. But you know what? Credit to Addis. They didn't get intimidated. They played. And they could have won. It slipped in the last couple of seconds, but they could have won that game, which would have been even more exciting. Now, the Greek League, just the standings, the way they are right now, it's always just one game that'll topple everything. One win and a loss from a rival can put a third or fourth place team in first place. So hopefully this continues for the next couple of months. We could keep it tight. I think it's going to be a four, I think it's going to be a four horse race leading into Christmas. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Iris could keep up. But I might be wrong. Aris might fall. Ike might. Somebody might fall. I mean, Ike, I love the way they're playing with a lot of hustle, a lot of love for the fans. The Kostenoglu change in coaching changed everything. Too bad they did it one game too late. They would have been in first place in the league right now. And they would have uh, been playing in the Europa League if it wasn't for that. So just imagine. Coaches make all the difference. You need to properly motivate the players. It's not the only difference. The coach is not the only difference, as we learned with the national team. Which I guess I'll touch on next. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys with this for you guys that don't know. the The national team has its own problems. With people that blame the coach. Any coach that comes in there can't help the team. When the best players on the team say that they don't want to play, if this guy's playing or if that guy's, and all that stupid stuff, you're not gonna get anywhere. And I don't feel, and a lot of people in Greece feel the same way, that the best available Greek players are playing soccer professionally. A lot of them are waiters and doing something else. And the reason why is very very simple, but tragic. And it is our fault. Um, you know, as a soccer country. So I found out about the whole pay-to-play thing, something I didn't know about Greece. I, I remember back in the day when there was young players that were very good and teams, clubs would do whatever they could to get them, nurture them, take care of them, make sure that they uh, they turn into the best players that they can. But somewhere down along, along the line, that changed, and there's been stories that come out of pay-to-play, which is basically um, the specific case I'm talking about is this one kid that was going to be a wonder kid, and it wasn't even too long ago. And he brought him to one of the clubs. They saw him. They trained with him. The kid was phenomenal. They were excited about him. Like, all right, bring him in. And then they go, well, what do we have to do to bring him in? Because we don't um, really have a lot of money. You know, his family's poor. I'm just trying to help get him in here. And he goes, well, it's going to cost 6,000 euros. And he's like, well, look, we don't have it. Can we work something else? Because, you know, clearly this kid's going to be professional. He's, he's amazing. And uh, the team was like, nope. We, uh, we're a small club. It's the way it works. If you pay, your kid will play. doesn't matter his skill level. This guy is clearly a very, very good skill level, so it's even better for him. But no pay, no play. 
and that happens a lot. And that's why there's been a couple hundred different players that have played for the Greek national squads uh, under the senior squad for the past couple of years, and you don't even see them at the professional level because they don't make it because they're not good enough. They're not good, and that's not because there's no talent in the country. That's because a lot of the rich kids are able to play. A lot of the kids that have the money, but they're not necessarily the best players. Whereas back in the day, I remember Olibeko taking Fetfadzidis, who was poor, but he was super talented. And they put a lot of money into him. They gave him the medication he needed. He needed some hormone therapy. And uh, uh, that's why I think he's short. There was a problem with the way he was growing, but he was so good. So a lot of teams used to do that. But now there's a bit of a gap where the smaller teams in little towns and villages, they they present a lot of players to the to the big squads, to the big organizations in Greece, like the Ajax, the Pauk, Panathanko even, and Olibeko. Um, but what's happening is instead of bringing in the best players and being like, look, look at what we have, right? Let's work out a deal. They don't care. It's, it's just a factory. Whoever play, whoever pays is playing, and then they'll present that. So then when the big teams are presented with, you know, a menu of 10 kids, they'll be like, all right, this kid's the best kid out of that, that those 10. But that's just the menu you're offered. doesn't mean that it's the best player in Greece. You know, you'll take the best that you can at that time. But then those guys get filtered out because it's just not good enough. You know, anybody who's played amateur sports, I have, down along, th- down along the line, once you're growing up, certain people go, they play for elite levels, They play, some people don't, some people don't even play garage leagues, they're not good enough to do that, they just slow down, some people make it, some people don't, it filters itself out, and that's what's happened with a lot of, that's why there's, all, you know, a couple hundred different kids that have played, but they never made it, because they all played in levels where they were the only options to the coaches, but then when professional teams came looking, they're like, yeah, we're not paying any of these guys, these guys are... Not good enough to play. So that's what's happening in, in Greek soccer. And it needs to be addressed because that's what's going to hold us back. When we're not helping, we're not nurturing the best of the best. That's what we should want. We should want the best of the best to go. And it's not one person's fault. It's just the organization, right? People who their their job is scouting. They're interested in money, uh, which is normal too, I guess, more than scouting the right kid. You know, a lot of these uh, parents apparently are paying the scouts. And they're like, here, here's an extra five Gs. Tell him Mike is the best one you saw. And then that guy goes back to the club and says, hey, I got a kid for you. Little Georgie boy, he's great. And the fucking kid doesn't even know how to tie his shoes. But his parents paid him an extra five Gs, so he wins. So that's a big problem that we need to address. Apart from that, um, remember to find me on penthousecomedy.com if you want uh, more of me in my natural habitat, which is stand-up. Find out what, what city I'm in next. Uh, I think this week is when we put up the Quebec dates, and then the Toronto and other Ontario dates are coming up later in the month, I believe, later in October maybe. Just follow me on social media. You'll figure all that out. If you're wondering where I watch these games, because a lot of people send me messages about that, it's um, I have an Android box that the Pakistani gentleman down the street uh, sells, and that's how I do it. It's the only way, because if you get the feeds that they give you for these Greek league games in North America or in Australia, it's always shit, the quality. And even here, the quality's not even that good, because sometimes the stream is down. But it's the best we're going to get because, like I said, even the broadcasters there don't know how to take advantage. They have a market of millions of Greeks around the world that want to watch these games. And they could be making so much extra money just by broadcasting a game that they're already paying to film. They're not spending any extra cash on filming. They already have the product. The infrastructure they need to add is just for the streaming service. to, But that's not a big deal. They just find um, a company willing to distribute the games. Or they could do it over the internet. There's a million and one ways they could do it. But... They just can't see two steps ahead of them, which is another thing that gets me mad. I should be in charge of that and help get these games out here. That's why all these teams are doing their own shows. That's why Pauk is doing Pauk TV. Ike is talking about doing Ike TV just to get the, the games out there because they know that there's money 
and that Nova and all these other companies are okay, they're, they're leaving money on the floor and the fan bases won't grow internationally like the other leagues did. So with that, uh, remember, you could follow me on the social medias. Uh, you can go to pentelscomedy.com. You'll get my dates there. Uh, two Drink Minimum, the number one podcast on the planet. You could get that everywhere right now, I believe. And if you're on Compound Media, you get an extra episode a week. And with that said, enjoy the soccer. Enjoy your teams. Good luck to all your teams, unless they're facing my team. In which case, I wish you very bad luck. <laughs>